Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday morning. It's nine o'clock and this is Barbara Chandler. And we have returned for the second session of Our Seat, Our Table with WPRK 91.5. We started in, I want to believe it was 2021 with Our Seat, Our Table. And this was a way to amplify and edify the voices of underserved communities, underserved grassroots uh, leaders. We wanted to give them a platform in which they could share exactly the kind of work that they were doing in their communities. The other purpose for our seat, our table, of course, it is to dismantle any type of negative stereotypes that people may have around people of color, African-Americans, and just, again, to educate and inform the contributions that we are making on a very local and grassroots level. Today, do I have a special, special show for you? I have two amazing guests with me. I have Pragasin Ramir. He is a native of South Africa. He is a recent business uh, business leader in our Hannibal Square Winter Park community. And Pragasin is going to be joining us. I also have with us Stephanie Burke. Stephanie Burke is a coach facilitator for this new trendy term of first geners. Uh, first geners are those who have may have graduated for the first time, started a business, and they have limited access to resources or information. And Stephanie Burke, she works with first geners. We're going to hear more about that as to how she helps them to navigate unfamiliar spaces, unfamiliar territory as a way to keep themselves going. Once again, my name is Barbara Chandler. It's nine o'clock and we have resumed our seat, our table. This is the second, what do we call it? The second season, the second go round. Uh, we did about 17 shows in 2021 and then we went on a very long hiatus and we are so excited to be back. I know that there's a lot of a lot of things that have happened in our community and continues to happen in our community since 2021. But we're going to talk about some of those things, but we're also going to keep it relative to the impact of now. Um, so our first guest, Pragasin Ramirez, is here with me. Pragasin is, um, again, a businessman in Hannibal Square. He's very active in the community. Um, he is a native of South Africa. And as you all know, one of the big things with our seat, our table, the history portion, we always cover a community or a place, um, kind of unearth those roots and so we can learn about it. I believe that everything has a root. Every person comes from somewhere. And so this is a way that we keep ourselves con connected. So with no further ado, we would like to welcome you, Pragasin Ramir, to our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Barbara. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be here. And so, Pragasin, um, as a native of South Africa, tell us what that was like. Tell us tell us what that was like growing up in South Africa. Well, you know, it's, uh, South Africa is, uh, is, is, is an amazing country. We have great weather throughout the year. Um, it's a country that has amazing food, um, a country that has um, incredible people, and the, a country that has um, also gone through 
quite significant uh, change over the last 30 years. Um, you know, we had our first democratic election in 1994. Right. Uh, we had incredible leadership, um, you know, across the spectrum. And as a result of that incredible leadership, uh, we were able to peacefully transition uh, from, um, you know, one kind of rule uh, to another, to a, 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 a democracy. Um, and as a result of that, South Africa and South Africans have, you know, essentially lived uh, a miracle. We've, wow. we've, we've not had too many examples where power uh, has transitioned mm. from one group to another. And uh, uh, it really is a testament of incredible leadership in South Africa that we were able to do that. And South Africans have now continued to do really well as a country. Um, people have moved on. It is important, I say, um, that it is important to remember your history, um, but it is also uh, probably more important uh, to move on, yeah. not to live in the history. Right. Uh, to remember it, but to move on, because uh, the future is what is important. Cool. And, and I think that's something that we have done really well in South Africa, despite its challenges. Right. Um, um, you know, it's, it, is, it is an incredible country, though. Yes, it is. I had the pleasure of being able to travel there in 2017. And yesterday I was home during the storm, during our little uh, shutdown. And I was able to look back at some of the photos of when I was there. And of course, you think uh, you say South Africa. And the first thing comes to mind for me is Soweto. And being able to go to the Nelson Mandela Museum or the Nelson Mandela House and have that close experience with this, um, with with Nelson Mandela, Winnie Mandela, and all that they have done, not just for South Africa, but for humanity as a whole. I want to remind our guests that this particular show, it is entitled The Profiles of Leadership. So when we think of leaders, we definitely think of um, Nelson Mandela. I don't know if many Floridians know this, but in my photographs, there is a photo where he received um, a, 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 I don't want to say an award, his diploma from the Edward Waters College, which is a historically black college here um, in Jacksonville. I believe it's in Jacksonville. So when we think of uh, profiles of great leadership, Nelson Mandela definitely comes to mind for me. How would you describe his leadership in your words, Pergasson? Well, you know, he, he spent uh, some 27 years um, in prison. Um, and he's, he's, he evolved as a leader. So, you know, a lot of people uh, view him as being, uh, you know, incredibly uh, uh, charismatic and incredibly, um, you know, he was a good listener. Uh, but, you know, in his early days um, as a youth and, um, you know, into his 30s and, and, and early 40s, he was he was regarded as a very militant leader, mm. right? Um, he was a he was a leader of the times, right. however, right? And his 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 philosophy and the way in which he approached um, the 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 politics of the day in South Africa evolved, okay? Which is what leaders have to do. They mm. have to adapt in order to be able to achieve 
their their end objective, and 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 but still rema- remaining authentic to 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 what you want to achieve. And he was able to do that. So he 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 was arrested. He was put into jail. Um, he was imprisoned on Robben Island for 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 a very long time, twenty seven years, and and during that time. He's he developed very different leadership skills. Correct. Um, he led uh, the 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 African National Congress, uh, which was a party that he represented and continues to be the um, the the leading party in South Africa, the governing party in South Africa. He led that party uh, at the time, which was a revolutionary movement, um, in a way that that was very unpopular. Mm. Uh, but he wanted to have. Uh, talks and peaceful negotiation with, um, you know, with the apartheid government. And it wasn't a very popular thing to do, but he did it as leaders do. And, you know, the result of that was, uh, you know, a peaceful election that we had in 1994. And he took on the responsibility thereafter uh, only for one term. His agreement with, uh, his commitment to the party was that, you know, after spending 27 years in prison, he wanted to have one term as president and then move on. Wow. Um, and which is what he did. Um, and there were there were there was a lot of talent available, um, you know, to 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 take over from him. And and that was that and that shows you the kind of incredible leader that he was. He really, you know, the Rugby World Cup um, was in uh, was held in 1995. It was the first time that a a, a global sport uh, spectacle of that s- uh, stature was held in South Africa. Prior to that, you know, s- international sports were not held in South Africa. There were sanctions against international sports that were played in South Africa. And, uh, you know, we held the first Rugby World Cup. And what year was that again? In 1995. So wow. we had our elections in 94. Mm-hmm. And a year later, we had uh, a, a, a Rugby World Cup. Uh, South Africa played... Uh, incredibly well. Um, Did they win? And Mandela, Mandela was our mascot, right? <laughs> and remember that rugby w- was a symbolism um, of uh, uh, as a white sport. Okay. Right? Um, there was one black person on that team, mm. but the rest were white. Were white. Uh, the, you know, uh, the entire uh, rugby rugby represented, uh, you know, the, the uh, you know a very um, what used to be South Africa. Right. Oh, okay. And 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 what Mandela did was he said, you know, we need to as 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 the new party, as the mm-hmm. governing as the governing party, we need to reach out. Right. And right. and he did that. And he did. And that. and he was at the he was at the you know the opening game. Uh, it was it was incredibly difficult to do what he was trying to do. He was trying to reach across the aisle. Correct. Um, bridge. When, bridge. When in fact the other party, with the other people, were not really. You know, there were the old South African flags flying. There was a lot of, you know, uh, high tension. But you know what happens when you're winning? When you're winning, people feel joyful. Right. People feel happy. Mm-hmm. And so he put all his political uh, capital into that Rugby World Cup. And, you know, when, when you really want something, you know, uh, if you really want something... Um, the world will conspire mm. to make it happen, right? Um, there's a book called uh, The Alchemist. Paulo Tulo is the author of that book. 
And, you know, in that book, he says, you know, when you really want something badly enough, the world will conspire to make it happen for you. And, you know, that, in my opinion, is what happened. We then played, South Africa then played, got to the final, and we played New Zealand in the final. Okay. And, you know, for those that enjoy the sport of rugby, you'll know that New Zealand is the most incredible rugby nation <laughs> by a long shot. Okay. And, but we had, we had the mascot and the energy of the man who was in the stadium wearing Francois Pinar's uh, uh, number six captain's jersey. And that also was not a very popular thing to do. You know, right. to put on a green and gold jersey in 1995 wasn't something you did. You may put on the the, the, the soccer jersey, the South African soccer jersey, but, but not, not the, the rugby. rugby. And wow. he put it on. He wow. was presented with that jersey. And, you know, we won that that game. Oh, wow. Right? What was the score? Because um, as, as we're listening to you, you have taken us right back to that moment. I wish the viewers were here. You're listening to Pragasin Ramir. He is a native of, native of South Africa and giving us the history of Nelson Mandela and how he was able to transform South Africa Africa using the game of rugby. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, you can, you can actually watch it. It's been immortalized in, in many ways. Uh, the, there's a movie called um, Invictus mm-hmm. uh, with Morgan Freeman, and uh, it is um, trying to and Matt Damon, and uh, who plays the captain of uh, the South African rugby team, and it's quite an incredible movie. It's well worth watching. Uh, I've watched it many times uh, because it it does represent um, you know the very best of how we transitioned from um, you know horrible memories to just. Uh, you know, goosebumps kind of incredible memories of how it all started back in 1994 for us, mm. many of us. That's when we had our first our first democratic election. We had the 1995 World Cup, and it was just amazing. Were you involved in any of the uh, movements um, of the uprising in that particular time? Yeah, I, I mean, in, in South Africa, you know, uh, when you were a student, uh, and I was a student at the time. Um, you know, I was in college, and and in the eighties, um, you could not uh, be a student and not be involved in politics. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I I was a student leader. You know, I was a um, I, I used to be on the radio station at college as well. And um, but <laughs> does this I was, bring back memories <laughs> for you? Absolutely, some of my best <laughs> memories. But. I was also, you know, a student leader. I was on the student council and and on the law students council as well. And I, uh, but that was something that we all did. Um, you you couldn't not be part of be it. part of it. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we 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 loved it, and we we all better off because of it. That's right. That's right. Once again, my name is Barbara Chandler. It is Friday morning and you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table. We are so happy to be able to come back again for our second season with WPRK 91.5. We want to thank our girl Kalani in the back who's helping us on the boards. Thank you so much. Joining us today, we have Pragasin Ramir, who is a businessman and leader. Leadership. Uh, he does leadership trainings for small businesses, individuals. And we're, this show is kind of dedicated to the profiles of a leadership. Our Seat, Our Table was created with the intent to 
amplify and affirm leaders, um, leaders in the grassroots communities. It's always important that those who are working on the forefront or touching touching turf with the communities, I like to say that we give them a space in which we can help and support them. It is also a way that we get to um, demystify or just kind of uh, delete any negative stereotypes that people are, are um, any negative stereotypes that people use against uh, African-Americans, people of color, the underserved communities. This is where you get to hear directly from the leaders and what they're doing. Profiles of leadership. We also have joining us today is Stephanie Burke. Stephanie Burke, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. She is my daughter-in-law. She is my daughter-in-law, a mother of two beautiful sons. I get to be BB. BB is my Swahili name that they call me, uh, which means grandmother um, of two boys, Isaiah and Elijah. And Stephanie is here today. She is a coach. And she's going to talk about a bit of first geners. That is a term that we've been hearing. But we want to pull these two topics in. Um, Pergasin just talked about one of the greatest leaders that we know of is Nelson Mandela. Uh, we're going to go back to Pergasin. He's going to share some lessons and some tips of what makes a great leader great and how we can continue in whatever spaces we are, uh, whether we're leaders or whether, whether we are supporters of leaders, how do we continue to uh, self-develop? Stephanie's going to talk to us about this first geners term. I believe first geners even just had like a celebration. There's a day for them. So Stephanie, tell us about this new term we're hearing about uh, first geners. So the actual term is first generation. Got it. Um, I created <laughs> and am in the process of trademarking the term first geners. So first generation um, was created to celebrate those who are first generation college grads. So originally when we first started hearing the term, we're looking at those who are um, historically underserved, those who have not had a space in which they can um, thrive. And a lot of colleges, so just to, to give a little bit of background, um, I grew up in a predominantly black um, neighborhood. Um, I grew up in a predominantly um, underserved community. However, once I graduated from high school, I got a full ride scholarship to the University of Florida. Okay. So for me, that was a huge transition because for the first time in my life, I became a minority. So mm. obviously in the world, I've always been a minority. But for the place that I was in and from where I came from, I never felt as if I was a minority until I got to UF. And so that was the first time I was introduced to the term first generation. So they were like, hey. You're first generation, so you qualify for these scholarships and you qualify for this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, it's, it, that's cool. But I didn't really know what it meant. Correct. And so um, first generation day, which was just celebrated on, um, it was Tuesday this year, just so happened to also fall on election day. <laughs> but um, it is on we celebrated on November 8th. Okay. And the reason why we reserved that day is because that was when the Higher Education Act was passed by President Lyndon B. Johnson. And so during that time, we were in a space in which um, people were underserved. So this was passed back in 1965. So it's oh, right wow. on the heels of the um, uh, 
civil rights the movement, movement. Um, the Voting Rights Act, all of those things were wow. happening around that time as well. And so he said, okay, we need to do something to give these people who are already underserved uh, somewhat of, of help. And so... Also, when when I first started college, that was the first time I had ever heard of affirmative action. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things kind of tie together. But what it was created for was to bring some sort of equity in terms of education to those who may not have had um, the opportunity Mm -hmm. otherwise. Wow. Wow. I was not familiar with the fact that it had started so long ago. When did it just um, I, I feel like maybe in the last two or three years or since you've started your coaching practice is when we've started hearing about it. So what what kind of brought that to the forefront? I think that in society, with us being at a place in which we've been looking at where are some of these disparities, where are they mm. coming from? Right. And as we start to look at a lot of the disparities, education is one of them. And so when we we talk about education, we know that there's a lot of education out there. We know that there are a lot of ways to be educated. And I think that right now we're in a space where people are realizing there is a big difference between someone who is first generation, who just so happens to get a degree, and someone whose parents are are educated and have kind of paved the way for them. And I think that even for myself, I didn't even realize the difference that it made until the past couple years. And Mm. so... Even as I was going back and I was like, oh, yes, first generation day. I need to make a post. And I was looking for pictures of my graduation. And I don't even have a lot of pictures because back then, in my mind, that's what I was supposed to be doing. Doing. So while it is something to celebrate and I know that now, back then it was like, okay, like I, I needed to do this. I needed to graduate. I needed to do this. And this is how I get a good job. And this is how I become the person that I want to be. When in reality, I think that we don't take enough time to kind of celebrate and highlight that that is a milestone and that is something that that has not been done before. And and I always tell people when you're the first, it's hard yeah. because there's nobody to show yes. you the way. Right. There's nobody to hold you, hold your hand. And for a lot of these things, there are no blueprint. And even if there is a blueprint, you don't understand the jargon. You don't understand what it means. You don't know why people tell you to major in a certain thing when you go to college. And you're like, well, why can't I just major in philosophy? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've actually heard people tell me or, or even deter other people who are first generation from majoring in a certain thing because they're like, oh, it's, it's not going to make a difference in your life. And to even get to a point in which someone can tell you that is major. It's major. And I think we don't even understand what it means. Mm. Well, that's why you're here. That's, that's why, why you're I'm here. here. <laughs> Somebody has to step in. And this is what I speak about um, as we say our seat, our table. It's almost in this particular climate, it is left up to us, someone like yourself, who has went to UF, who has put in the time in which to bring back this information. Then we have someone like Pergasin, who comes from South Africa, who brings over um, a wealth of information. He has a different lens or a different perspective. And how do we, in this moment, I, I call it the impact of now, how do we utilize people like yourself 
Pragasin Ramir, myself, um, a local institution, an educational institution like Rollins in which to serve our community. So we're going to get more into the profiles and characteristics, pardon me, the profile and characteristics of a great leader. How do we cultivate leaders? One of the ways I think about, um, and I heard you state this when you were speaking about Mandela, is that he said he wanted to stay for one year. He did his one-year progassin. One, yeah. one term, pardon me. He did his one term, and then he was able to step out because, and you use this word, there was the talent that was able to step in. And um, I, for me, I, I see a lot of times that in our community, are very, uh, and I'm speaking hyper-locally, and I'm also speaking uh, regionally, um, that seems to be our biggest default. Uh, we are not cultivating the next generation of leaders, hence our first geners, and therefore there is this gap. So let's talk about the importance of membership, mentorship, pardon me, the importance of mentorship and where that fills in the gap. I think that... Um for me, leadership really um, has two fundamental parts to it. Um, the one is uh, leaders being relentless uh, uh, about developing others. Um, you, you, you are not a leader um, if you don't have, by definition, if you don't have people following, right? By definition, uh, a leader is somebody that has followers. But um, for me, there are there are good leaders and there are those that are not uh, not good. And for me, a good leader or a great leader is one that develops those around him or her. Um, that is for me a one of the primary or one of the pillars of leadership. So when one talks about you know the next generation is not developing is not developed uh, doesn't have leadership, that's on us. That's right. I right? agree. That's on us to make sure that we have a um, sufficient number of leaders um, that are focused on development. That's correct. Um, and, and, I, and I think the second part of, um, of, of a leader is the fact that they have, they're good citizens. Mm. And, you know, good citizenry has, has a number of aspects to it. Uh, it means uh, being, having a good set of values, um, being principled, uh, being authentic, um, and 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 also having a very a deep civic duty. Um, so that to me, so for example, today, um, you know, we acknowledge um, the role of our veterans. Yes, um, it's it's a significant day, um, um, and it's one that we commemorate. Um, you know, I, 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 it's it's difficult to say we wish them, we wish veterans a happy Veterans Day because it's not a happy day, but it's one that we recognize veterans. Right. And and I know that in the short period that I've been uh, blessed to live in the United States and to call it home, I have a number of friends that are veterans, and I will be uh, commemorating the significant day uh, with them. Uh, on Hannibal Square today at five o'clock, <laughs> over a glass of wine, 
<laughs> maybe more than a glass of wine. <laughs> but that is what leadership is about. Yeah. It's about being able to be authentic, to have a deep sense of community and 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 and, and, and part of those characteristics is to be a good listener. That's right. Now, I don't share, you know, the the deep-seated um uh, knowledge um, and and experience of many of the veterans, mm-hmm. but I'm a good listener, mm-hmm. and they have incredible challenges. And all that I do is I listen, and I try to empathize, and I try to offer guidance where I can. That's right, and that is all that's required of a of a um, of a good leader. You don't have to have all the answers, mm-hmm. um, but you should be able to uh, be a good listener. Uh, and, be available. And be able to, yeah. And so, you know, today, is a, today for me will be a day uh, when I do spend time. I, I spend time with them almost every day, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, but today will be a very significant day uh, in their lives. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of that. You know, for me, those are the two main characteristics of what it is to be a leader, to make sure that you are, uh, in a very authentic way, you are developing uh, the next generation of, of leaders. Uh, and I do that in my small business. Uh, I have ama- amazing people around me. Um, and, you know, um, the reality is that my, my style of leadership is to make sure that I surround myself that are, with people that are stronger than me, Right. I have to believe that in order for me to make sure that I have successes and not just successes, but people that get on and do the work that needs to be done. I need to know that they are and sincerely know that they are better than me. And uh, my style and, and, and the things that I do is to is to be able to make sure that I surround myself with people that complement my skill set. That's right. Right. So they are better in areas that I'm not strong at and not good. at, And I'm very happy to admit that. Um, so, so, so developing people around me is, is critical, but also making sure then that I'm a good example, um, to them of not just being good at what you do in the office, but also making sure that you make a contribution to your community, uh, and, and to, and to this, and to, and to all the people around you. That's true. That is so true. Um, first of all, thank you so much for reminding me that today is Veterans Day. I have two sons that um, have d- uh, have been military men, uh, Marines. I have two two sons that are Marines. My oldest son, Antonio. My oldest son, my second son, uh, Angel Burke. And so I definitely want to shout out and commend them for their services, as well as for so many of our veterans who are in our direct community. So once again, we are talking about profiles of great leadership in this day and time in this particular climate leadership comes in so many forms again in the position that I sit working in the community working alongside other community leaders I find that the grassroots um, leaders they are really leading the charge. We have Pragasin Rami here with us we have Stephanie Burke Pragasin works in more of a 
corporate um, a corporate setting because of his business. He also trains people again in those corporate settings around leadership, customer service, self-development. And Stephanie works in um, another sector with first geners. And one of the things we are speaking about, how does this leadership inter integrate from the uh, the from a mentorship perspective? Um, what are first geners expecting from us as the adults, as the seasoned leaders? Um, what what's that relationship? What are we? What would they like from us so we can know that we are meeting them where they are? Um, I think a huge part of it, and what immediately comes to mind, is we live in a space where. You don't really know what you don't know. And I think a lot of people think that they know. So because information is so accessible, we have the Internet, we have um, Instagram, we have all of these profiles in which people are constantly giving information. And sometimes you don't know what information is good and what information is not. Um, I think Pergasin hit on something huge, which was being able to listen, being able to take a step back, being able to actually take in information And that's one of the things as I'm working with um, people specifically who are first generation, they live in a space in which the wrong answer can be very costly. Mm. And so a lot of the the times, instead of saying, I'm not quite sure or give me a minute to figure it out, they feel like I need to know the answer. I have to figure it out. I have to know. And so one of the things that I think leaders – uh, especially in the community, can do is assure them that, hey, it's it's okay because I am here with you. And I think a lot of times when we see um, leaders, a lot of leaders are not giving people space to make mistakes mm. and learn from them. And I think that because of that, we have gotten into a space where I know that I can't make mistakes And so even we've seen in the workforce, a lot of people are walking away from the workforce. And I don't think silent quitting. Yes, the silent quitting. (laughs) um, And even it's so funny. I was reading um, an article the other day where they were talking about how many people are regretting the Great Recession, Mm -hmm. which is what happened, you know, in that 2020, 2021. But I think that a lot of that came from working within companies in which the person who was supposed to be leading didn't have those qualities of a leader. And because they weren't able to listen and because they weren't able to take in new ideas, um, a lot lot of people who are coming up now, they have new ideas. They have different ideas. We're in a space where the Internet is king and, and you can make millions of dollars making videos on Instagram. And while it doesn't work out for everyone, there's that small percentage that gives people the hope that I can do this, too. And because of that, when we don't have good leadership in companies, it sends people away. And I don't that's not where we want to be. We want to keep evolving, especially in companies that are giving back to the community, companies that matter to the community, companies where we need them in order to thrive and we need them in order to survive in a lot of instances. We're losing good people because of bad leadership. Okay, that makes that that makes a lot of sense. Um, going back to the point about um, that listening space, mm-hmm. um, making sure that we're available, and um, I'm always able to step in 
to Pragasin's office if I'm having a rough day and he can help to redirect me. I'm always able to call you up. Stephanie, listen, I'm, I'm having trouble um, with some things that I'm working on and you're able to redirect me. And I feel that I'm always available when community members walk in for whatever they may want to discuss um, and being that sounding board. Pergasson said it, we don't have to have the answers, but we do need to be available and accessible as a way in which we can listen. And so um, I know from where I am, from the seat that I hold, um, the Heritage Center, where I sit, shout out to the Heritage Center, that um, I do get to help facilitate a lot of those um, intergenerational experiences. I do not feel that in our, uh, in some instances, I'm, I'm, this is a general statement, um, that we're not having enough of those intergenerational experiences where we can see what the elders have been doing, um, where we can learn their stories. Um, any, any input on that intergenerational experience? How do we cultivate more spaces that we can we can we can have that? Um, I think that the, the that's a that's a that's a huge challenge because the the generation that we have is the 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 young generation um, is so different from you know if I look at my family I have my kids and 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 my wife and I and there's a you know the the changes that my kids are going through the world that my kids are living in is so different from the world that I grew up in. Um, and so, you know, it, it, you know it, it's very difficult for, for me to be able to, to, to really believe that I can, I can guide them in any significant way. Mm. Um, and, and, and that is a point of departure. However, um, as a leader, you do have a set of values and you do have a set of principles um, that you want to you want to make sure that you pass on to the next generation. The decisions that they make uh, uh, is is very different. So right now, um, for example, the, the kids are exposed to an incredible number of uh, of uh, uh, incredible amount of information, and, and and you know Stephanie mentioned the the, the information, and that information is essentially. Um, you know, it's unedited, it's uncontrolled, it's available. Very. Um, and what do you do that with that information? Uh, there, are, there are several decisions that you are making with the information that you have. And do you make those decisions that could be harmful to communities? Do you make decisions that could be supportive? Uh, do you make decisions that could make you better, make you a better person? And so I believe that as the, the previous generation, uh, and I would consider myself to be in that sphere as a previous generation. It is really for us to make sure that we're setting, um, you know, a set of values uh, within which we want the next generation and, and, and in my family, you know, my kids to be able to make those decisions. Um, so, you know, I live my life um, by, by really three very simple principles. This is the first um, thing he taught me when we met. Yeah, and I think you know, keeping it simple, but 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 you know, it is the basis I think of 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 good leadership. Um, for me, is that um, you know, I only surround myself with positive energy. Um, very important to me is 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 making sure 
that the energy and the people that I'm around uh, don't drain me. That's Negative energy uh, is an awful drain on people. Uh, you could you could be in a company feeling positive when you enter the room, and you could leave that room feeling dejected and awful, and and that is because you've chosen to remain in an environment that has that has been negative for you. So I really just surround myself with positive energy. the The significance of the positive energy, though, is that I I do not have arguments with people that matter on issues that don't matter. <laughs> Very Repeat often. that. Repeat that. Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, positive energy means for me is that I do not have arguments with people that matter on issues that don't matter. Very often, you find that you are in an you are in a discussion that's fast becoming an argument and there's no principle there's no value there's no basis of it other than your ego and i tend to you know walk away from those uh it's it, it's no longer uh, a, a a positive constructive discussion uh, obviously good banter is good yeah. you know i do yeah. i do it over a glass of wine have some good banter <laughs> Um, but if it's becoming negative and it's becoming draining, then I'd move away. So positive energy is my first principle. The second is I do not procrastinate on anything. Mm. Um, and, and the significance of no procrastination is that um, I celebrate each moment and each day to the fullest, right? No regrets, right? Yesterday, I have no regrets for yesterday. I've lived it to the fullest. And I will today as well. And I told you what I'm doing this afternoon. And when I meet those guys, they will know and we will celebrate to the fullest the incredible service that they've, they've made and contribution they've made to this country. And, and that, for me, is, is critical. Um, no procrastination, meaning that when the moment is right, I'm opening the best bottle of wine. I'm not opening the cheap one, right? <laughs> um, and the third is, for me, success is defined on one basis and one basis alone. And that is, I want to be a great dad. And that, for me, uh, encompasses what I hope uh, is my lead, what I believe is my leadership style. Wow. And, and when I say I want to be a great dad, very often we are asked to make value-based and principle-based decisions. And you're never quite sure, am I, am I veering from my true north? Am mm -hmm. I veering from what is absolutely mm -hmm. the right thing to do? Yeah. And so... You know, very often we, we need to, we need to uh, dig deep and find, and find the answer, you know. And, and, and some of us do it, in, you know, in our spiritual way, in our religious way. We try to find an answer. Should I, shouldn't I do what this person wants me to do? Um, because, you know, it could result in significant financial gain. It could result in massive opportunity or whatever. The question I ask myself is very simple. If this was my, was my son being asked that question, what would I want him to do? And I know the answer every time. So the question that I ask myself when people put to me a, a something that I'm, I'm struggling with, all I do is ask myself, if this was my son, what would I want him to do? Wow. And I know the answer every time. Wow. So three bases for me, uh, which, is, which is making sure that, that, that we, as, as, the, as the older generation, um, are good good citizens for our for the next generation we don't have all the answers no oh. but make sure that we we provide a framework mm -hmm. within which them to within which they can operate positive energy make sure that you're a source of positive energy they come to you and they know that you'll listen and you'll leave them feeling better 
than when they got into the room. That's right. Right? And that, to me, is what the positive energy part is. Making sure that you celebrate um, uh, the moments as they get to you and not, not, having, not having regrets. Okay. Right? So for me, no procrastination is absolutely key. And I, the way I do that is I do tomorrow's work today. That mm. frees my day up tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And the third is to is 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 for me success is defined on one basis and one basis alone to be a great dad. That's excellent. That is excellent. Uh, Stephanie, how would you define your leadership style? I am definitely a listen first type leader. I am very uh, solutions based. So every time I hear if you come to me with a problem, my mind instantly goes, okay, how do we fix it? And so I think um, Pergasson hit on something major. Um, all of my clients, as a matter of fact, everyone who is around me um, is always challenged with the question, what does success mean for you? Because I think, again, going back to we are fed so much on a daily basis, in and out, um, that a lot of times we look at things and we think, oh, my gosh, if I'm going to be successful, I have to do this. I have to invest in this thing. I have to do that thing. I have to. And a lot of us are chasing something that we don't even really want. Mm. You're chasing it because somebody in society, somebody on the Internet, your friend, your cousin, your mom, your dad told you that this is what it meant or that this is what it looked like in order to be successful. If we are truly going to be successful, you're going to live a life that you wake up happy to live every single day, which is the only, the only goal that I have every day. If we are going to do that, we first have to figure out what success looks like for us. Mm. Because if we're running, we're mm. chasing, we are full steam ahead behind something that we don't I'm even missing. want. When we get there, we're like, okay, well, what do I do now? Right. You were living somebody else's dream. Now you've gotten there and you don't even know what your dream looks like. Right. And so for me, when I first started, when I first meet anyone, my first thing is, what does success look like for you? And how do you know that you've made it? That's good. That's good. That's good. And so for me, I identify my uh, leadership style with demonstration. It's demonstration for me. It's the doing. And I know sometimes in the doing and, 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 and I don't want to say so much of the doing, but I'm learning it's being who I am um, and being who I am means when people come to me or people show up in the space that that I'm in, I have an opportunity in which to help them radiate who they are. Because I, I feel I'm always upbeat, I'm very bubbly, and that's who I am. I've been told to try to tone it down, but I can't, and I won't. I'm comfortable in that space. So success for me is doing those things which comes easily for me. I used to think that hosting people was this um, menial um, type of job or um, like, what's this thing about hosting? But I enjoy it. I enjoy having people in my space and making them feel special. I don't care who you are. You can be the bum on the street. You can be the woman pushing the cart. You can be that single mother. But in that moment, I get to help that person, whether it's listening. And I don't want to say the the offering the advice, but that's where I say demonstrating. I think a lot of times and when we're speaking about first geners or when we're speaking out about people 
who are looking for their North Star, sometimes having someone to demonstrate or seeing someone do something in a space where you normally wouldn't see that person, I think that's helpful too. Um, I always say one of the things that has always happened to me, because I show up in some of the most peculiar spaces where no one looks like me, there's always been some type of guidance in the form of a person, of um, an older person or a mother figure. Um, Just recently in Hawaii, I went, um, I I was on the computer and I was looking for things to do. And I found the... um, the Hawaiian Africana Museum. I reached out to the woman there, and once again, there there was that mother figure that I was able to spend a couple days with learning and gaining information. So for me, it's the demonstrating, it's the, um, it's the connection, it's that interaction, and um, for that, I'm able to be fed as well as I'm able to feed others. And that's very, very important to me. And I'm just realizing that, you know, and you said it. I think the thing about the positive energy, um, anything else will weigh me down. It will drain me. It will not elevate me. And if I'm not elevated, I can't elevate anyone else. So absolutely. And I, I call um, um, peace. Peace is positive energy activating cause and effect. Mm. And and that's what it comes down to when you say leave that person. That person should leave you better than they came because you're now activating something in them which can give a cause and effect. So um, once again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table, the Leadership Lounge. This discussion is around profiles of great leadership. Joining me today, this is Friday, November the 11th. It's Veterans Day. Hug a veteran. Buy a veteran a coffee. Buy him something. Do something for someone else. Joining me today, we have Pragasin Ramir. Pragasin is a businessman, a leader, a coach, a trainer in the Hannibal, and an avid wine drinker. Uh, I know you've heard him say it, and, and I may be joining him. So, um, But once again, we also have with us Stephanie Burke. Stephanie Burke is also a coach. Uh, a coach to first geners and um, she gave us the information as as to what first geners are and it's not just in education but maybe your first generation in your business as well so we're defining defining the characteristics and the profile of what makes a great leader a great leader and one of the things i think that we were um in sync on is listenership listenership being being a listenership, being a leadership listenership, um, being able to listen, being available um, and being able to listen. One of the things, uh, Pragasa, and I popped into your office the other day and you shared with me a lot of times if you call someone and that person is in a rush or they're rushing to get you off the phone, more than likely when you show up, that person is also going to treat everything in that same manner, that same rush manner. And it's no fault to that person, but one of the things I've learned in, in, in my course and still learning in my journey is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. 
And so um, I see that as also one of those great characteristics in leadership. We have a few more minutes. How are we doing? On, we have about 10 more minutes. Is that right, Kalani? Okay, excellent. Um, Kalani is working the boards for us. She is a student here at Rollins. We want to thank WPRK 91.5 for having us bring this platform. As I said, our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge was a way, is a way to amplify the voices of our grassroots leaders, our traditional leaders, and see how we can make those um, become more of an effective community for those who need resources. I want to talk a bit about what's coming up in our community. Of course, um, we do have arts all around Winter Park. You can go into any of the museums this weekend and see the wonderful exhibitions that's on display. Um, you can also stop into the Heritage Center. Right now, we do have the jazz exhibition on display from Ella to Coltrane. Um, also, in December, the Equity Council, led by LaWanda Thompson, is having the Kwanzaa event at the Community Center. That's Winter Park Community Center. Also, November the 17th, Hannibal Square is having a taste of Hannibal Square, and that's led by Pragas and Ramir and Trevor Brown. And basically, where can they find more information about Taste of Hannibal Square, Pragasin? Um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is the first time we're going to have, it's an, we're hoping to have it as an annual event. So it'll, you know, the idea is, uh, we have a third Thursday hop, uh, every year, every, every Thursday, every third Thursday throughout the year, um, between, um, you know, in the afternoon between four and 7 PM, but on the 17th, uh, between five and 8 PM, um, we have our third, we have our third Thursday hop, but it's a special one, um, We've, we've closed the street between South Virginia and uh, South Pennsylvania on West New England uh, in Hannibal Square. Um, all the restaurants will have street food out. Uh, their signature dishes will be the street food. So we have some amazing mm, restaurants, mm. as you know, um, on West New England. And, uh, you know, so the street food is not going to be some... Um, you know, some, something they don't offer on their menu. It'll be their signature dishes on their menu that will be available. The entry fee, um, there are tickets. The tickets will only be sold on the day when you enter. So, you know, if you get there uh, just before 5 o'clock, you can buy tickets. It's very easy to buy tickets. Um, we'll have, you know, it's by credit card only, though, and we'll have credit card machines um, throughout the West New England and present your card. You get five, six tickets or five tickets. Yeah. $30 a, a pack of uh, five tickets. Um, and the, the, the retail shops, including mine, uh, we'll be, we'll be doing complimentary, uh, glasses of wine. Um, so essentially when you pay your $30, um, you'll get tickets and you'll also, if you're above over 21, you will also get a, um, a wristband, and that will entitle you to enjoy the complimentary adult beverages uh, available. But it is a it is a um, an afternoon and an evening uh, for family. It's the Thursday before Thanksgiving, uh, so we anticipate having a few hundred um, families on the street, uh, enjoying the food and enjoying uh, meeting the business owners as well. And we really do encourage. Um, the Winter Park community, and in particular the residents of Hannibal Square, uh, to join in that in that evening 
uh, of celebration. Excellent, excellent. So looking forward to it. Uh, proceeds from this event, as a representative of the Heritage Center, uh, proceeds will come back to to the Hannibal Square Heritage Center just to help with our mission and further our uh, goals to the community. Also, mark your calendar. It is the third year that we are doing Light Up Hannibal Square. I'm always excited. And it is December the 9th, December the 9th. December the 3rd is the parade. I want to thank the Winter Park uh, Parade. And it will actually come down on New England. They've been doing that for the last two or three years. Uh, We're so excited. You can feel free to come over and join me at the Heritage Center on the front porch. Um, But do mark your calendars for Light Up Hannibal Square. That event started as a way, it was during COVID. um, And we used to do a community potluck. But because of COVID, we had to change what we were doing. It was important to keep our community spirits as... um, happy and festive as possible. So we started by decorating the house, the Heritage Center itself, with lights. And then at a certain time, we flip the lights on. There's hot cocoa. Um, We bring out artists, local vendors, that they are able to sell you their unique, one-of-a-kind, last-minute gifts. So definitely mark your calendar for December the 9th. Uh, We're going to have to go in a minute. But before we leave... In, in in one or two words, leadership. In one or two words, leave the audience with something um, around leadership. If I had to leave on a couple words about leadership, my advice or, or my words would be figure out what it means and then do it all the time. Mm. One of the most important things that you said is what, what you do how you do it sometimes is how you do it all the, all the time. time. That's right. And I think that that's so important. I think that we feel like we wait for a time in which now's the time to activate. Yeah. And instead of waiting on a time, let's always live in excellence. Let's always live in greatness. Let's always push ourselves to the core. Mm, and you heard that again. Stephanie Burke, how can someone get in touch with you? How can a first Jenner or someone seeking your services get in touch with you? So I do public speaking. I do motivational speaking. I do coaching. I do all of that. If you would like more information, you can follow me across all social media platforms at Power of Potential or simply type in Stephanie Burke and you'll see my smiling face. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can also send me an email at yourpoweryourpotential at gmail.com. As a matter of fact, if you email me, I can send you a link to a free download. I just did not too long ago a free three-day challenge called I Want to Win, Win Standing for With Intentional Navigation. So as we go throughout the process, I'm showing you how to put yourself in a position to where you wake up every morning happy to live. Again, that's across all social media platforms at Power of Potential or yourpoweryourpotential at gmail.com. Excellent, excellent. And so I'm going to do a bragging moment for a second. Um, I was in Hawaii I wake up as I normally do. I wake up early and I'm scrolling through my Facebook page and I see where the Orlando Sentinel has nominated me one of 10 most um, one of 10 people who make Central Florida a great place to live. I did the whole ugly cry. And I think (laughs) the thing was the fact that I was away. I got to embrace it and and just learn from it. 
I feel that if I was here, I would have needed to behave a certain way. So <laughs> it took some of that pressure off. But I want to say thank you to um, the Orlando Sentinel, Scott Maxwell, whomever was on that nominating committee that decided to select me. Thank you for seeing me and seeing my work. Pragasin. Leadership in one word. Close it, us out. Yeah, I think for me it's the three things that I mentioned. The yes. positive energy, uh, no procrastination, and uh, to be a great parent. Excellent. So once again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table, the Leadership Lounge. We will be back next week from 9 to 10. Thank you so much for listening in.